Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back on everybody to what is the 20th episode of the Strictly Hell podcast. Thank you guys for being with me for these 20 episodes. Thank you guys for following through the season uh, with me and, and with Jeff as well. Um, today, I'm just going to be on here by myself previewing the Super Bowl. I'm going to be talking about some other things as well as the uh, NFL awards were handed out last night. Uh, this is being recorded Friday morning. They were given out Thursday night last night. Uh, and, and some more of that stuff on tap. So before getting into uh, anything further, as as we all know, as we've known for a while, it is playoff time and the usual suspects are back heading to Vegas for the championship, the Chiefs and the Niners, obviously. So our partners at Online, they are your number one source for all your football odds, stats, trends, parlays, prop bets, anything, you name it, they got it. Um, like I said, spreads as well. Um, you can also bet on things like the coin toss and the color of the Gatorade if you are just in love with gambling. Um, bet Online is going to be a number one source for all that stuff. Head, so head over there today uh, to get in on all the action. Uh, bet Online, where the game starts. And you can use the promo code BLEAV, capital B-L-E-A-V, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Uh, additionally, the Strickland does have a Patreon where I assume you're probably listening to this this podcast if you are. But if you're not, uh, it does have a $3, $6, and $9 tier. This podcast can be, fi- can be found behind the $9 tier. Uh, in the $6 tier, you're going to get access to a bunch of stuff like the like our Discord, uh, the Strickland, uh, the Knicks mailbag, 5% discount on a lot of our merchandise uh, in, in, the Strictly, uh, in the Strickland store. And the Friday edition of Pod Strickland with Schwinn, and I believe that's uh, Prez on there. Uh, further... There is a $15 tier, a $30 tier, and a $50 tier, and I believe a $100 tier as well. Um, various stuff that is that is very cool in a bunch of those tiers, like co-hosting a podcast, um, listening in on podcasts, and stuff of that nature. So if you want to go over there and support us, that would be great as well. Hopping into things. Obviously, this goes without you know much of an introduction needed. The Super Bowl is this Sunday, 6.30 between the Chiefs and the Niners. And I think this is like maybe one of the most consequential Super Bowls in, in recent memory, just because of the fact that this could be Mahomes' what would it be, third win in four years or something like that. Um maybe it would be third and five. But it's it's big time for everyone involved the Chiefs, right? From him to Kelsey to Andy Reid. You have a chance for all these guys to really cement themselves as, and Steve Spagnuolo as well, as you know, some of the best to ever play their position. And and obviously they're there already. You know, Andy Reid is already one of the best coaches. But if he if he wins this 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 third Super Bowl, is he's probably the third 
best coach of all time, somewhere on there, you know, after Lombardi, Belichick. Um, I think he has a real case for that. Spags, obviously, the title, he's, he's won with the Giants. Um, winning more over here with the Chiefs. I don't know if that would put him at four or five, but it, it would just cement him as one of the best defensive coordinators of all time as well. And although I, I don't think Travis Kelsey is near the GOAT conversation for the tight end spot, I think it's pretty obviously like Gronkowski. Um, I think Shannon Sharp is probably still better than Travis Kelsey at his prime as well. But he's up there at that point, and I think if you want to give him the third spot, like I think that's very well warranted if he wins this the Super Bowl as well. Um, I think he has the most 1,000-yard receiving seasons in a row for a tight end already. And if he comes back next year, which if they win, I highly doubt he comes back. But if he comes back, he could add another, another season to that you know, milestone. And the obvious other kind of elephant in the room is if Mahomes wins again. And at that point, I think he'd be... I want to say he'd be like 27, 28, actually. Um, with three titles under his belt, I mean, he'd, he'd start to pace, you know, to kind of challenge Brady for that all-time record for, for Super Bowl wins. So it's just a big-time game. That's only from the Chiefs' perspective, right? Like, you have Kyle Shanahan trying to cement himself as one of the greatest play callers of all time. Obviously, the first two times he got to the Super Bowl with the Falcons and then with the, as a head coach with the Niners – he didn't get to close the deal or he, he didn't close the deal just straight up. He, he wasn't good enough to finish out those games as a play caller. And he's matching up with the chiefs. Again, this is a very, very different chiefs team than the first time they're the best defense in the NFL, pretty much for this season. Um, better than Niners on a, on a per down basis. And the offense has changed so much, right? You don't have that Tyree kill over the top to, to kind of, you know, kill your defensive speed. They, between Rasheed Rice, between Travis Kelsey, between Isaiah Pacheco, and the development of their offensive line, they are just, I don't even want to say ball control because I think that's doing a disservice to how many shots they still do take to guys like MVS and Justin Watson, even though they might not deserve it all the time. But they have, in many ways, become a precision offense. And Mahomes has adjusted very well to that. Rasheed Rice has been flat out, amazing as a rookie um closed in on a thousand yards he didn't get there i don't think but he was very close i think he had like 970 um and he was pacing after week five to put up a 1200 yard season so he's just he is i think a lot of the shine was on puka a lot of the shine was on guys like zay flowers tank dell i mean this guy was much better to me than zay flowers much better and yeah, and he's bigger. He's he's a better athlete. Um, a lot of questions about him coming out of high school with like his character and stuff. Uh, I think he was I think he was taken off the SMU team, or he he just quit and and he didn't want to go back and play for them in the middle of the season. And you know the the questions are raised rightfully so, but he's just been fantastic for them. And the matchup with whoever's guarding him, whether it's Ambry Thomas, uh, Deondor Lenore, maybe Charverius Ward, who's a former Chief. Who went over there to the uh, to the Niners? We'll see how that plays out. That, that's going to be a key matchup because Rasheed Rice is the biggest X factor on offense, and you know even with Travis Kelsey being there, I think at this point in time, Rasheed Rice probably opens up more for Travis Kelsey just from the standpoint of being able to, you know, to run the deeper routes, um, 
being able to just accumulate more yak uh, on, on a per catch basis. He's probably the guy who, even though we don't want to say it, um, might be the number one option for this team. I, and th- towards the end of the season, I think he was out targeting Travis Kelsey. I, it's obviously switched a little bit in the playoff because Kelsey is such a good safety blanket for Patrick Mahomes and co. But there's there's real juice here for Rasheed Rice. And a receiver with the last name Rice hasn't had under 70 receiving yards in the Super Bowl ever, I think. So shout out to Jerry Rice. Um, we'll see if, if Rasheed can keep that up. I know there were some prop bets on that. And there was, uh, I think... I think his over-under was like about 68.5. Um, I didn't touch that just because I think this game is going to be a, a huge defensive battle. Um, but, you know, if there's a spot where you could attack the Niners, it, it is from the slot. And I think that's pretty much the majority of where he'll be running his routes from. And even if he's not in the slot, like even if he's on the outside, it's not something that I'm deathly afraid of. Um, the Niners defense has been under a lot of fire, I guess, for just – a real clear lack of effort. And, you know, you saw guys like Chase Young who on the, on that, um, that end around to Jameson Williams kind of just didn't really, didn't really look like he gave a shit, honestly. Um, you know, they got called out for their effort by, by Kyle Shanahan, I believe during halftime. And then at the end of the game as well. So, so it's, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I, I think the loss of Joe Tooney for the Chiefs is really, really, you know, I don't want to say neglected, but against the team that has Javon Hargrave, Eric Armstead, you know, in the middle of their defense, that is, that is a tough loss. You know, Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith, they are always going to be two of the best guys at the position year in, year out. Uh, I can't believe Creed Humphrey was a third round pick. I, that was a colossal miss by the NFL. Going into, uh, sorry, second round pick, but it was the end of the second round. And going into that draft process, he was a first rounder through and through. Draft comes around, starts falling for no reason. I, I don't remember there, if there was a if there was a good note or not. I don't think there was. And it just never made sense to me. Of course, the Chiefs of all teams have to be the guys to swoop in and get him. Um, on the other side of the ball for the Chiefs defense, for the Niners offense, I mean, can can we just see a team not get what's the word not get kind of nervous and lose their identity when they play the Chiefs? I mean, just the fact that the Ravens didn't run the ball as much as they could have last week against a team that struggles guarding inside zone just kind of baffled me, really. Especially when you have a guy like Lamar. Um, I, I know there's been a lot of people on Twitter talking about how Lamar might have been you know, playing a certain way to prove a certain subset of people wrong. Um, whether that's true or not, I won't, I won't be the guy to, to kind of say that. But what I will say is the play calling was suboptimal. And and it's funny because in a game like that where you don't really want to challenge the Chiefs over the top, you really want to, you know, like I said, run the ball on them. They could have used Greg Roman, as funny as that is to say. Um, but, you know, they probably also aren't in that spot if they kept Greg Roman. So whatever, it's, it's, just, it's a little funny. Uh, I think the matchup to watch is, you know, I'm biased because I'm a line guy, but Chris Jones against that interior line for the Niners. Um, Jake Brendel, 
former giant John Feliciano, who went to San Francisco and became a borderline all-pro guard, which is just absolutely ridiculous. More evidence of somebody leaving Bobby Johnson and becoming an absolute dog. So there you go. hate that guy. Um, Aaron Banks, the left guard. This is going to be a tough matchup for, for all those guys. Obviously, Chris Jones is right up there with the Aaron Donald, Sexter Lawrence's of the world. And he's been on this stage before. So what uh, them and how they can potentially dictate this game if that inside zone gets running on the on the Chiefs defense, that, that's going to be a big storyline. I also think that George Kittle maybe won't get really loose in the receiving game. But if there's a game where people are going to look at and and kind of give him his flowers for just being an absolute great player and great blocker in the run game, this could be one of those games. Inside zone, obviously, you know, you're relying heavily on the tight end, whether it's kind of running an inverted inside zone where he's coming back around and, and, and wrapping, or if he's just following uh, the typical block scheme and adding another gap in it, it's going to be one of those games where, you know, I just raved about Travis Kelsey earlier on, but George Kittle to me has been the best tight end in football for the last like three years. And he doesn't have the stats Kelsey has, but if you switch them, I think he could have the same stats as Travis Kelsey. You know, he doesn't get the same target share. He doesn't get obviously the, just the, the sheer amount of passing volume in their offense. And the obvious other thing that he hasn't had that Kelsey's had is Kelsey's had Patrick Mahomes and Kittle's had Jimmy G, Sam Darnold, Trey Lance, Brock Purdy, obviously. So as well as just a lot more overall talent around him with, with Debo, Ayuk, uh, CMC for the last two years. So he's somebody, I really hope he, he gets his flowers, whether that's just him having a big game um, in the past game or just, you know, springing a block for a McCaffrey touchdown and then getting recognized for that. I love George Kittle. I love everything he brings to the game. And I think he's one of the most underrated players of the, of the last 10 years, really like he he's up there for me in that regard. Uh, moving on, Brandon, I, you Samuel, what do you do with these guys, man? What do you do with these guys? Um, McDuffie is obviously going to be in the slot a lot. So you're going to be relying on Joshua Williams. You're going to be relying on, relying on Legere Sneed, who's, who's really been fantastic for the chiefs. Um, I think he's a free agent after the season or, or, you know, just, I think it might be next season, but round four guy who became really nearly a true cornerback one, um, these last couple of years, his growth has been fantastic. And, the the kind of yak prevention versus yak accumulation battle between everybody in the Chiefs secondary and Ayuk, Debo, CMC, Kittle is a major swing factor to me in this game. I think that that might be, you know, even even though I mentioned Tooney before and that matchup with Hargrave and Armstead, I think that is one of the biggest swing spots in this game because if if you can shut down that that yak right w- with those guys. I don't see a reason why Casey can't hold up in the run game against against uh against this line just based off of the the level of personnel the Niners have. Obviously Shanahan, you know, if he, if he finds a weakness like we talked about earlier with that inside zone and he really keeps attacking it, different story. But when you're talking about just the the Jimmy and the Joes instead of the X's and O's for these guys, 
Karloftis, Mike Dana, uh, Chris Jones, Nick Bolton, Willie Gay, Leo Chanel, even Jamari Connor, um, who comes down a lot from the safety position for them. Lot, those guys are tough in the run game, man. They tackle, they tackle really well. And this is going to be a game where Brock Purdy has to have a lot more on his shoulders if, if that yak's not going on. And we'll, and we'll see how he responds, right? Um, if the Chiefs get up early, like, there's there's no guarantee on how the Niners can. But we haven't really seen them play from behind two scores. I know they got behind in the Packers game, but there wasn't really a lot of emphasis on Brock Purdy to even carry them. Um, the last drive in the Packers game, he was hitting his checkdowns down the field, and, and that's all well and good. You know, he took what the defense gave him, but he didn't make any outstanding play. And in the Lions game, I mean, you all remember the time where he went deep to Ayuk and the ball bounced off of, uh, I believe that was Cedric Gardner-Johnson, but don't quote me on that. Bounced off of his helmet, Ayuk caught it down at the one, and then they'd score the next play, right? So he hasn't really won while he's been behind and and won because he made a statement. He's won from behind because the Niners were still good enough to make that comeback as, as a group. And I'm not trying to take away and shit on him. Like I've been one of the biggest Purdy guys whenever we have a guest on here, when when you know me and Jeff are talking. I think Purdy is, is better than Tua, and I'm gonna keep throwing my Tua shots out there. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. Um, but I, I just want him to to show me something. Um, I, I really – it's funny. A lot of people are kind of broken up on who to root for between Purdy losing and Mahomes losing. They're not rooting for any of them to win. They're, they're, they're rooting on whoever they like least to lose. Uh, I know that's at least what the case was when I talked with Schwinn. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, if I had to, to give you guys my pick, I just like taking the points in this matchup. If, even if it was just a dead even pick them, I'd lean Chiefs. Um, but that's without any level of confidence, right? And then, you know, you, you give me the Chiefs, you give me plus two points, which is what the line's at right now on Line. I, I just, I like that insurance, man. I like that insurance. I think this is two teams who know each other really well, two coaching staffs who know each other really well. And this, this is going to be, you know, I, I also like – the under potentially on 47 and a half. Um, if this game is like a, like a 24, 21 finish, I don't think that's crazy. And I think I might like an, like an over interceptions line for Brock Purdy. I think as much as I, you know, spoke about him during the season and, and just talked about him as a guy who I've liked more than others, the stage might be too big for him, man. And I think the chiefs defense has been more locked in the Niners defense Anytime you get called out for effort, dude, like that's that's embarrassing. And it's gonna be on them to, you know, make their statement, come back strong. But when you've been inconsistent, you know, or, or not consistently the defense that we know you to be for pretty much the back half of the season and, and this postseason, then I'm gonna trust you, you know, for showing me who you are. And the Chiefs defense has shown me that they are better than the Niners defense. So, so that's where I stand on that. I, I just, this is going to be a fantastic game. And I didn't even really want to get into too much of scheme and stuff, just because these guys are going to be throwing the kitchen sink at each other, right? Like this is, this game is why you keep your very best off of tape. This game is, is why you 
you know, just like Mark Jones says, I guess. Like you get into your bag, like the fries are at the bottom or whatever the fuck he says. Um, they're going to be pulling stuff out of their ass. There's going to be crazy blitzes. There's going to be sim pressures. There's going to be, you know, X, Y, and Z. And one thing I would say, though, is if the Chiefs let Brock Purdy break the pocket, I don't think people give him credit for being the off-script playmaker that he is. I think off-script, he makes a lot of throws that people wouldn't anticipate him making. And I think he does a great job of keeping his eyes downfield whenever that happens. So, I oddly enough, I think keeping Brock Purdy in the pocket and forcing him to, you know, mani- manipulate in there, um, not get happy feet, not get nervous, is more of the route that I would go um, rather than trying to get him out of the pocket, get him off his spot. I, I think just, you know, Brock Purdy beats you, Brock Purdy beats you. Whereas on the other hand, Mahomes is, oof, man, Mahomes is so locked in. I think this is the best football he's ever played in his life. And against this defense that really hasn't, like I said, been fantastic um, through the back half of this season, if they can just manage Nick Bosa, dude, I, like it's really, really hard for me to not start loving Chiefs plus two. If they can if they can slow Bosa, I think they have the guys to not have to challenge Charverius Ward a lot on the outside. And although I love Fred Warner, I love Jerry Greenlaw, I don't think that they can or I don't think they will dominate this matchup in a way that we might think when they're going against Travis Kelsey and two of the best interior guards in the league. Right. So when the Chiefs are running their their pin and pull stuff, when the Chiefs are running their ISOs their the traps their inside zones like have we seen uh, Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw you know face two guys better than this you know they they played Frank Ragnow and the Detroit Lions last week and the Lions really got into their chest for, for you know just about three quarters so uh if I'm landing somewhere I'm landing on Chiefs plus two and I, I'm I'm sticking on that um Moving on to the awards from last night, I thought some of them were pretty interesting. And I thought the voting was more interesting than anything. So Lamar, obviously we knew he was going to win the MVP. Um, very much deserved the award. However, I don't think he was anything close to unanimous MVP. And, you know, whether you wanted to vote for whoever that is, uh, McCaffrey, Josh Allen, even Mahomes, if you wanted to, uh, that's re- that really wouldn't have been, you know, something that I think is crazy. But what I do think is crazy is only one guy getting a vote besides Lamar Jackson, and and that's Josh Allen, right? So if you just look at their stats side by side, Lamar, I believe, was around total yards. I want to say was about five thousand total yards or somewhere around that area. But I'm I'm gonna pull that up right now. So. Lamar was at, for passing yards, 3,700. For rushing yards, 800 um, in, in 16 games, right? So he didn't play one game. He got up to about 4,600 yards and 24 touchdowns in the air, five on the ground, so almost 30 touchdowns. Seven interceptions. Um, I'm not even going to really put too much stock into fumbles just because I don't, I don't really care about them too much unless you're Daniel Jones. 
um because he he fucking um then josh allen obviously this guy's a lot more on his plate he's he's more of the focal point and he pretty much threw for as many yards as Lamar accumulated in total. Passing game, 4,300 yards, 29 touchdowns. Right there, that's pretty much all the production that Lamar gave the Ravens this season. And then you add, you add in the run game, 500 yards, 15 touchdowns over there. So totaling, you know, 44 touchdowns, totaling almost 5,000 total yards. Just... A ridiculous season from him. Carried the Bills in a lot of ways. They honestly, like, potentially would. Uh, this is this is the case for a lot of teams that have these franchise quarterbacks. But what would they have been without Josh Allen? I think the Ravens are a much better team without Lamar than than the Bills would be without Josh Allen. So that I don't think he was properly represented in in the MVP voting. That's where I'm going to leave it at. I know it's fun with the interceptions and just kind of like the dumb, the dumb shit that he does a lot of times, right? Like he does throw into double teams. That, that's, that's what he's going to do. Um, but when you look at sacks plus fumbles plus interceptions, and I always said, I don't love the fumble stat, but it's just, it's a turnover at the end of the day. Lamar had more sacks, fumbles and interceptions than Josh Allen did. So at the end of the day, like I don't think that argument that Josh Allen is some turnover machine is is really in good faith. And to to my point as well, like you know, we saw both of these teams in the playoffs against the Chiefs defense. And I'll just leave that right there because we saw Josh Allen car- not really carve him up, but he played great, and Lamar didn't. So I digress on that. Um, furthermore, McCaffrey. Um, offensive player of the year, very deserved. Could have been him. Could have been Tyreek. Um, no, no, really right or wrong answer. Um, but I just like him getting the recognition for, you know, what he did as a running back, um, leading the NFL in scrimmage yards, touchdowns from scrimmage, rushing yards, first downs, explosive runs of ten yard, ten ten yards or more, just. Dominant all-around season. One of the best running back seasons that I can really remember. Um, maybe I'm just missing somebody, but, like, dude, this season is, like, up there with Ladanian Tomlinson and stuff. So, uh, that uh, I think that's very much deserved the award. Defensive player of the year. This one was talked about a lot between uh, TJ Watt sending out a tweet and kind of just being salty that, he, that Miles Garrett wanted over him. Dude, Miles Garrett was fucking ridiculous this year. Um, I don't think anybody should be complaining about this. I think he carried their defense for a lot of stretches this season. And when you just look at what he did, second in pass rush win, win rate with, with a 30% mark, while being the third highest double team player at 29% double team rate. Just absolutely ridiculous. He was lining up everywhere. Whether that was... You know, sometimes lining up over a guard, lining up in a three-tech, five-tech. Dude, this guy is just... The the combination of, of quickness, size, power, speed, clothing speed, technique, like... This is the beginning of his prime. And if he doesn't stack up... Or he's been in his prime, but this was really, so far, his crown jewel of a season in his NFL career. And I think he could 
close out with two or three more of these awards. So, um, JJ Watt, obviously great. Uh, sorry, TJ Watt, obviously great player. One of the best, you know, three, four, five best pass rushers in football, but he didn't do what, what, what Miles Garrett did this season. And beyond that, I'm just glad nobody fucking tried to make a case for Micah Parsons because that would have been ridiculous. Uh, rookie of the year, CJ Stroud. I mean, what is there to really talk about with that award? Just one of the best rookie seasons we've ever seen from a quarterback. Will Anderson Jr. winning defensive player of the year. This was the second time in a row that the same team took home offensive and defensive player of the year. Obviously, the Jets last year took it home uh, with Brees and Sos Gardner, who followed up with absolutely fantastic rookie uh, sophomore seasons. But Will Anderson just... A lot of people question that trade-up, and and I did so myself as well, especially when it came out that they gave their own first-round pick in that trade-up. But, well, you know, they actually turned out to be uh, a later pick than the Browns were this year, which was the other first-round pick that they could have given up. So kudos just to everybody over there, Nick Casario, the GM. D'Amico Ryan's fantastic, fantastic um, rookie head coach season. Deserves all the love. Bobby Slowick, he's coming back next year uh, to stay as the O.C., just great stuff going on in Houston. Tanked out Nico Collins. Just absolutely, you know, bona fide playmakers. Devin Singletary. They got a ton of juice out of Devin Singletary this year. Um, yes, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about the offense because we're talking about Will Anderson Jr., but just I love everything Houston did. Um, Will Anderson Jr., ridiculous. Um, 26% pass, pass rush win rate. Um, six most in run stops, 36%. Um, so doing all this as a rookie, I mean, seven sacks, 10 tackles for loss, 22 hits on the QB, and he missed two games as well. So, you know, kind of like, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I look at Kayvon and I'm pretty salty. I'm like, bro, you were the same echelon of prospect as this guy. And Kayvon had more sacks, yeah, but his overall impact wasn't the same. And just, uh, will the Giants ever have a top pick who's not a bust, dude? Uh We'll see. I don't think Kayvon's a bust at all for what it's worth, but it's just frustrating when, when I, you know, I thought he was a potentially generational talent, a guy who could be a top five pass rusher in the league and just really not there right now. Stefanski winning coach of the year for the Browns. Obviously the Browns very well represented um, between Stefanski, Miles Garrett, like I said, uh, Joe Flacco also won comeback player of the year. So um, great stuff over there in, in Cleveland. Um, People were talking about D'Amico winning it. Like I like I mentioned earlier, fantastic rookie season, but he had his quarterback. And when you have your quarterback, it's tough for me to give you coach of the year over a guy like this who started off with uh, he who shall not be named uh, going down with that shoulder injury. Then they get into uh, also Nick Chubb with that, with that gruesome injury, I think in, in week one or two of the season. Um, but they bring in... Joe Flacco. They also tried out like Dorian Thompson Robinson and, and among a few other guys. Um, but Joe Flacco comes in. He gets everything he possibly can out of Joe Flacco. Mark Cooper's putting up huge numbers. David Njoku's putting up huge numbers. Um, Jerome Ford is is ripping off runs. This, this was one of the best coaching jobs I can really remember. When you just lose two pillars of your offense like that in, in the starting quarterback that they had and Nick Chubb it's it was in, dynamic to see how 
Stefanski was able to adjust as, as the season went on. So um, very well deserved for him. Very well deserved for Joe Flacco. Um, and I'm not even going to really touch on comeback too much. Flacco, Damar Hamlin, whatever the case may be, whatever. Um, for the draft, uh, looking forward to it. I, I don't know why there's been a lot of rumors about the Bears trading out. Um, I don't think that's happening. I, I just wanted to say that on here. Um, but going forward for the draft, we are, or I am going to be doing a lot of draft profiles starting around um, mid-March up until the draft in April. Um, positional groupings, uh, big board, all that stuff. So uh, exciting time. Uh, thank you guys for uh, tuning in with me for this episode. I know it was a monologue episode, um, but I hope you guys enjoyed a lot more interactive stuff coming. I'm going to have those draft profiles I was talking about. Um, they're going to be up on Twitter um, a bit more in depth for anybody in the Strickland Discord uh, in the football section. So that'll be up all there for people to check out. And thank you guys for listening, um, not just uh, for this episode, um, but throughout the season with me. And let's have a great Super Bowl. Um, hopefully Chiefs plus two catches. And I'll see you guys in the next one. Thank you. Take it easy. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.